podcast that you do now. This week, Dean Kelly Brown Douglas speaks with Union's Vice President of Communications and Marketing, Robin Reese, about the award-winning film Suppress 2020, The Fight to Vote. Suppress 2020 is a short, powerful documentary that investigates voter suppression in the 2018 midterm elections. By revealing personal accounts from voters of color across the state of Georgia, they discover deliberate, widespread voter suppression. Dean Douglas and Robin Reese will debrief the film and reflect on the continued efforts to suppress the vote. Suppressions 2020, The Fight to Vote, is available on bravenewfilms.org suppressed. I am Kelly Brown Douglas, Dean of the Episcopal Divinity School at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. I'd like to welcome you this afternoon to this conversation as all eyes are on Georgia. It is about a recount and so much more. And so in order to begin to wrap our minds around what is going on in Georgia and how it is that Georgia has suddenly become the focus of our democracy today, we must begin to understand how we got here. So today we are talking with, and I'm happy to have with us, Uh, my colleague and good friend, the Vice President of Communications and Marketing and longtime Atlanta resident, Robin Reese, who will begin to share with us what's really going on down there on the ground in Georgia. But before we get there, we have to understand how, in fact, we did get here. And so we want to put it in context We want to share with you, therefore, a little snippet from the documentary Suppressed 2020 that will help us to understand why indeed all eyes are on Georgia. It is brief, but it is powerful. And in as much as we know about voter suppression and the history of voter suppression, and I'm certainly been aware of the many tactics. After watching that documentary, I was left speechless. Robin, so I want to ask you, you're down there. How did you feel after watching that documentary? Well, Kelly, first, thank you for having me on. Um, you know, I'm a communications professional who's a former journalist. And, you know, by no means am I an election expert, but I have lived in Georgia for 18 years, almost 19 years now. And I can tell you after watching that, I was infuriated. Um, I mean, you know, we know about the tactics that have been used over the years. To see them singled out the way they did in that documentary all in the short span from the primary to the election in 2018, it was infuriating. I mean, from the closing of the polls to not registering voters who did everything they were supposed to do, but not processing them in time, to purging the voter rolls, which is another part of that, that's a really important part of that documentary where eligible voters were just unceremoniously taken off the rolls and not able to vote. 
to the ID laws. I mean, and then the long lines. It, you can't help but be angry to look and see and be reminded of all the ways in which the votes were suppressed in Georgia in 2018. Yeah, and we, we've learned and we see in, in the documentary that uh, some 214 polling places were, were closed in Georgia. And this is something that has happened all across the country. We know, for instance, in uh, Milwaukee that of 108 polling places, or perhaps it was 180, uh, they closed all but five. And most of those, of course, are in communities uh, where there are people of color or, or poor people or people that typically vote a particular way. Uh, and, and, and that particular way is typically uh, democratic. And so first I wanna ask you, Robin, what your experience was in uh, trying to vote, because we know that what happened there in Atlanta and it's happened uh, and in Georgia and it's happened all across the country gives that there were people, especially people of color, especially African-Americans whose average wait time was six hours. Uh, whereas, and as the documentary shows us that other people in other parts of uh, the, the uh, state were saying, oh, I went in and out. I voted in five minutes. I voted in 10 minutes. When people were leaving their jobs, one woman had to lost money that day because she was standing in line to vote. And yeah. then her vote still didn't count. Right, right. I, you know, I, the one thing I will give Georgia credit for is early voting because they give us two weeks. But that does not excuse as you can see in 2018, even with two weeks of early voting, there were anywhere from four, six, seven hours, some people waited to vote. And in the documentary, Carol Anderson from Emory made a really good point. And she said, causing people to miss work because they're trying to exercise their vote is like a poll tax. That's a loss of income. And there's just no reason for it because anyone in Atlanta area can tell you which counties had the lines and which counties did not. And what those and counties looked like, right? Absolutely, the absolutely. The makeup counties. of those counties for sure, for sure. And so it's, you know, it, it, it didn't have to happen, you know, and, and I applaud those who stood and waited. You know, there's a woman in the, in the documentary who I think she said it ended up being about five hours, but she refused to give up. And you have to applaud that sort of, you know, ability to withstand and persevere. And it was raining during parts of that day too, no, no less. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it, it did though set up the stage, I think, for 2020. Yes, I want to ask <laughs> you about that. Because, right? Because this brings us here today, why they're down there right now, as we speak, recounting these votes, because something backfired. Tell us, tell us about that. How we so, got here today and they recount these votes. Right. I mean, honestly, I think there were a couple of things. One, you know, people were so frustrated with the win by Kemp by 54,000 votes because of the sheer numbers of votes that were voters that were purged, registrations that weren't counted or 
approved in time, that that margin would have been made up for sure if those voters had not been purged from the rolls and if the lines hadn't been so long. I think, and, and as the, the, clip, the clip showed us, he was clear. He knew that if the minority voter turnout was high, that there was a great chance he was not going to win. And so, you know, Stacey Abrams got to with Fair Fight Action, Fair Fight Action and they decided we are gonna do something about this and began registering more voters. And there was record voter turnout in 2020, ever in the history of Georgia. And the number of registered voters who were persons of color between 2016 and 2020 was nearly a million. Mm -hmm. And two thirds of those are people of color. Right. And so I think what it shows is <clears throat> one of the ways to combat the voter suppression is increase the number of voters who vote. Yeah. And, and what I think the irony, Robin, is that, and I remember asking this of uh, Ari Berman, mm -hmm. that not only, of course, did you all have record turnout there, record turnout for uh, people of color, uh, record turnout in the very counties that they were trying to suppress the vote, but we had record turnout nationally, uh, as we see in this election. More people voted in this election than have ever voted uh, in history in this country, and more people of color and the African-American community voted at a level of which they have never voted before. And so the irony, it seems to me, is that if indeed there were not these such uh, raw attempts uh, right. to suppress the vote, that perhaps that would not have occurred. So there's this sort of uh, uh, a cause and effect, perhaps at least a correlation that the more they tried to suppress the vote, the more people came out to vote. What's your sense? Right. I think that's right, Kelly. I mean, I looked up some statistics just because I was curious. Um, that the average voter turnout in Georgia uh, is 57.3% for this election. In the county surrounding Atlanta, so Fulton County where Atlanta is, DeKalb County, these are all uh, large minority populations in these. DeKalb County where I live was 60%. So it was above average in turnout. And so I think you're right. I think it shows that if we get people to turn out and today's New York Times has an article that says you know, that's 60% of eligible voters, which means that number could rise for this January 5th runoff for the Senate race. And if that number goes up, if we can get that number up and get everyone who voted to come back out and get those who didn't vote for whatever reason or new registered voters to vote, that's why all the eyes are on Georgia, because everyone is clear that January 5th runoff could go to the Democrats. Yeah, so let's let's talk about this. That it's that, and it, because it's not really the, 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 what's going on down there in Georgia today. Let's talk about not only what's going on down there today, but we'll talk. We'll get to uh, the vote uh, in January. But it is about our democracy, right, Robin? 
is at stake. And so, and our democracy begins for people like you and me. That's why we're talking. You know, I could talk to the experts and all that, but we're, you know, and they vote, but we're the ordinary sort of everyday citizen that trudges to the polls uh, to, to vote. Our vote matters. Mm -hmm. And so they're counting every every single vote it reminds me of sort of like playing dominoes or something <laughs> counting every uh single vote so what's going on the uh, all eyes are on georgia because this this counting of every single vote is indeed the foundation right of our democracy if that domino falls then the all the other dominoes fall and our democracy falls. And so here we are in Georgia, <laughs> right? And, and the counting of the vote is helping us to understand how significant our vote matter, how yes. significant it is. So so how well, what what's the tenor down there as <laughs> as in fact you all have become in so many ways the domino the bottom domino uh of of our democracy with what happens down there and with this recount is about our democracy it is kelly i'll say to you on that saturday after the election when they called the race and we remember that they actually hadn't called georgia yet at that point uh, there was so much relief and exuberance around the city of Atlanta, as many of you probably saw in the news. Um, and then, but people were still waiting. I mean, you could hear people talking about waiting for that Georgia number. And we all believed that the lead would stay, but turning Georgia blue is such a monumental feat, frankly, you know, having lived in this state as long as I have. I don't know that I ever thought Georgia would turn blue. I just didn't. I mean, you have the cities, Atlanta, Savannah, you know, maybe Columbus, areas around Columbus, the suburbs. But beyond that, much of the rest of Georgia is close to rural and staunchly Republican. And so, you know, the question was, can we get enough people around the cities and influx of folks from the cities it coming into the city with new jobs, et cetera. Could that potentially happen? I just, I was hoping it could happen, but honestly, I think people didn't believe it until the, to your point, the vote counting was happening. So all of those mail-in votes. And I think COVID, you know, had an indirect impact that none of us saw coming until COVID arrived, but you know, the number of people who voted by mail-in ballot and counting those votes and having them counted and we were waiting and numbers are coming out every day, the next batch and how many votes there were. I think it really did drive home the point that every single person's vote matters. Yeah, it, and it's as if it's not so much about whether or not uh, Georgia turned blue uh, to, as to what it suggests uh, beyond that. I mean, this is the home of John Lewis, right? The man who fought 
for people's rights to their democratic rights, the, the power that we each have in our hand to shape the kind of country that we want to be, to, to articulate the kind of people that we want to be and the kind of people that we are. And so whether that's blue or whether that's red or whether that's democratic or whether that's uh, a Republican, that's, that's not what's at stake, right? What's at stake is our values that don't change. And, and those values include uh, how, how indeed we respect the worth uh, and the value of each single human being. And that's what John Lewis uh, stood for. And so mm -hmm. in many respects, it's ironic that it's Georgia, Georgia, Georgia right now, uh, but it's Georgia, 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 not because it could or could not overturn the presidential election, which it can't, uh, but because in fact, it symbolizes the significance of valuing uh, who we are as people and it, it, and it symbolizes what it says about who we want to be, right? As a nation and as a people, as does the upcoming election, regardless of uh, how people decide to vote. But again, that's all tied together. We're making the same decision that people made in this country a few weeks ago. What kind of nation do we want to be? Who are we as a people? And I think that's right, Kelly. And I think that's symbolic or symbolized by the folks who are newly registered. So I think some of those folks, they weren't newly registered because they just turned 18. I think that some of those folks were newly registered because prior to this year, they just hadn't, for whatever their own personal reasons, hadn't thought about voting, didn't understand sort of you know, the necessity of it and what it means. And I think you're right. I think that people, after what they saw in 2018 for some folks, they said, you know what? That vote count was so close that it actually does matter, you know? And I think, you know, for folks, I think there was a belief that, you know, it prior to some people probably thought it's not really gonna matter. It's always a red state you know, she might do well, but she's probably not going to win. And I do think that that slim 54,000 votes in a, you know, state this size is not that many. And I think people said, you know what, every vote does matter. And I think that's how we got, you know, to nearly a million new registered voters, not just folks who turned 18. I think people said, you know what, people who hadn't voted before said it does matter. They were able to be convinced either by what they saw or what they heard. Because I will say anecdotally on social media, a lot more people and not just my sort of journalist friends on social media, but a lot more people who I had never heard be political before on social media were everyone was talking about voting. People to your point, were not talking about vote blue, vote red. People were saying, make sure you vote make sure you vote. Because I think we're all clear if you live in Georgia, there are people you know who are on the red side, people on the blue side, but people were really pushing the vote message. And I think it really got out that this is a duty we have, you know? And I think to honor the legacy of John Lewis, you know, if there was ever a time, you know, he passed away so soon before the election, 
there was ever a time to drive home that message, I think everyone got that message loud and clear here. Well, and, and, and that's, that's a, a good place to begin to uh, sort of wrap up this conversation with, because what was interesting as well in that documentary and that which we know and that which you've just spoken to, uh, Robin, is the, the legacy. And two things we know. Whenever we're talking about voter suppression in this country, what we're really talking about historically is the suppression of the Black vote. Uh, and, and Georgia was reflective of that. And when we're talking about the suppression of the Black vote, if we dig down even deeper, we're talking about the suppression of the Black female vote because Black women vote for a number of reasons. We're, have, uh, we're a, a higher percentage in the electorate, but it, and even so we vote at a higher percentage. Uh, uh, and so even though we're in this time, a hundred years when women uh, got the right to vote, black women didn't, and black women's uh, vote uh, was being suppressed then as well as the wider black community. And so you hear in this documentary, these stories of people uh, elderly people, I, the story of an 89 year old man, I never missed the time to vote, right? Because of the importance to vote and I walked miles to vote and da 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 da. We have a history, right? Of simply not being able to vote and different tactics to suppress our vote even after we got the right to vote. But the folks that didn't vote initially that weren't signed registered to vote as you said for whatever reason it is as if we began to take voting for granted and became complacent and now here we are back in this moment uh talking about the vote being suppressed how do we begin to hand down to the next generation the significance of voting so that we aren't in this moment again where we have to begin these almost Herculean efforts uh, to get people to register to vote and to understand how significant it is or to be in this crisis in our nation where we have to do this. I guess I would ask you, what are you saying to your daughters? You have a teenager and a preteen to help them to understand not simply this moment in Georgia, but how they can carry forth this moment. So I, I do agree with you. I think there are some generational lessons that we can be teaching. I mean, I can remember being a child and going to vote with my parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those were the days where there was a curtain that got pulled and you stood in the booth and, you know, <laughs> telling my age, but, you know, and, and now, you know, I have taken my daughters with me. I didn't take them this year because of COVID, but I have taken them with me to vote. And I've talked to them about the importance of voting. And I think the more that we can talk, whether it's to our own children, talk to our friends. A lot of people have never really talked to their friends to say, hey, are you voting? But I noticed that this year, you know, I was getting, I got texts from friends saying, I'm just sending these texts. I know you're going to vote, but I'm sending them to my friends to push just in case there was somebody who was thinking about not doing it. And I think we have to normalize it like we normalize everything else. And I think that includes sharing the message of why it's so important and that this is something our great grandparents couldn't do when That's they right. were our age. And that 
we owe it to them. We're voting for them as much as we're voting for us. And that's the message that I share with my daughters. No, you know, John Lewis said that the vote is sacred. Uh, and so we need to indeed treat it as if it's sacred. And so even amongst all of the confusion uh, that is going on down there in Georgia now, and as I, all eyes are on Georgia, I think the good side of that story is that even as they are doing the hand count for whatever the reasons may be, nefarious or not, in doing that, they are protecting that which is sacred. And it signals to us how sacred indeed the vote is. And so I commend all of you to watch the film, mm -hmm. Suppress 2020, to have these kind of conversations with your friends. Robin and I get to have it on Facebook Live to remind us all of how sacred our vote is because our vote is the first step toward determining not simply what kind of nation we're going to be, but what kind of people we want to be. Thank you, Robin Reese. Thank you, Kelly, for having for joining me in this conversation. And all eyes are on Georgia, so let's wait and see what happens down there.